Welcome to Beyond the Shop Floor podcast. My name is Ange. I am your host and your original retail career girl. I'm here to unlock the secret universe of fashion and beauty career success on the shop floor and beyond. With a global net worth of US $24 trillion, the retail industry is a thriving one. I am a fashion career retailer and recruitment expert who champions professionals to wave their retail and fashion career flag proudly. Join us as we drop a new podcast talking all things career and interviewing some of the most prominent, inspiring and epic retail and fashion guests in Australia. Tune in. Hello there. Welcome back to Be On The Shop Floor podcast. My name is Ange. I am the founder and director of The Talent Mill and, of course, the host of Be On The Shop Floor podcast. Today, we have such an exciting guest on um, the show. We have Lauren Oakes, who is the CEO at Megaphone Marketing, a Melbourne-based digital agency. Um, gosh, I could reel off a million accolades that Lauren has sort of achieved in her time. She became CEO in 2019 before she was 30 years old. And under her guidance, Megaphone has expanded over four continents and grown to more than 120 employees. And she still meets every single employee before they're hired. Lauren's journey began at Megaphone as a junior account manager when Megaphone was just a small new agency. And she was featured in an Umbrella article where she ate for free for 21 days using only the power and reach of social media. Lauren has strong representation of females in leadership roles, in fact, more than 70%. um, And she has been awarded second place in the Global CV Awards for women-led businesses. Uh, Lauren was uh, born in New Zealand, like myself, and then went over and did a stint in New York. She talks about the impact of that on her career so far. Um, And she has advice for anyone who is looking to create a career in marketing. Um, You know, any advice she has from interview tips into, you know, how you should handle any salary conversations as well. Today is such an exciting conversation and we are so excited to have Lauren on the podcast. So let's dive in. I wanted to dive in today and obviously really chat about um, your background. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is exploring um, you know, women in particular and their education experience. Um, personally, I didn't feel like I had a lot of structure in terms of being supported in that transition from high school into university. And I'm always really curious to understand other people's experiences. Um, you know, when we talk about a typical careers counsellor, it's probably not that much of an aspirational um, figure in our lives. Most of us probably couldn't even remember our school careers counsellors. So, yeah, what was that experience like for you in terms of that transition? transition from your education to deciding what you wanted to do professionally? Yeah, so I think it was a really interesting transitional period between like high school and university because what they don't tell you when you're picking a career or picking what you want to do for the rest of your life um, is what actually is involved in, in the day-to-day role of these careers. Yes. And so through through high school, I, I loved art. I enjoyed being creative. And my mum has always said to me, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing, you'll never work, in a, work a day in your life. <laughs> and so I, I did all creative subjects through high school. And then coming out of high school, I decided to go into design because that was the course that was hands-on. It wasn't lectures. It was, you know, really being able to be creative in yes. anything that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so that was an area that I wanted to, to push into. But I don't think I actually knew what, 
the outcome of that would be. So mm. what what does an industrial designer do? Um, mm. You know, that was something that I was learning as I was going through university. So mm. I think that is one of the things that could definitely be brought into the schools a lot more. It's like, you know, what are your skills that you have, but also what does that mean? And what would that look like in a career? What does a day-to-day role look like in that? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I definitely agree with you in terms of there could be more support on that front. Mm, absolutely. And so when you started studying industrial design, like how did you feel? Did you feel like, yes, like this is what I want to do or like, oh, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be? I think it was it was interesting because every time I did a different subject, I learned a little bit more about what it was that I was actually studying and what it was that I was going to do out of that. And that's really where I started to become interested in more marketing. So rather than making the products, you know, selling the products. Yeah. And I think what the industrial design side didn't necessarily give me was that, you know, ability to sort of learn and develop more, more written things. Um, and that's where things like copywriting and marketing came into it. So I actually did pick up some subjects in marketing through, through that part of my degree. But I think, yeah, got one of my subjects for industrial design was making things out of paper. Mm-hmm. And a- another one of my papers was making things out of cardboard. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so, cool. Going going through these, I was like, this is really, you know, it's fun. Everyone else is doing doing exams, they're writing essays, I'm here making things out of paper. But I don't think that necessarily tied to what would I be doing as a career. Mm, yeah, right, exactly. Okay, awesome. And then so, okay, w- what point did you think you wanted to go into marketing? Marketing has always been something that, you know, is at the back of my mind. It wasn't something that I felt was covered in, in high school. It mm. wasn't a subject that I could take. And um, they're all more traditional subjects. And so as soon as marketing became something that people were talking about, I feel like there was a reasonably big shift, you know, uh, 10 or so years ago where marketing was becoming more exciting. You know, digital was things that were coming onto, um, you know, coming online as well. So at that point, that's when I started to get a personal interest into it. And that was something that I would more look into in my own time, do my own research, started picking up a couple of papers and I think you know, always the, the cliche of watching those you know, marketing advertising agencies on TV as well. And that's really what sparked my interest in New York and wanting to go and work in marketing in New York. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you can make it in marketing in New York, you can make it, make it anywhere. And so that was really where I, where I set my sights from that point. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. And, and you're so right because, you know, even from my experience of recruiting, People in New York, I'm like, gosh, you guys are always working. Like, it's like nuts. Like, in terms of like, you know, it's like, oh, 10 o'clock meeting. Yeah, that's fine. There's no problems. Like 10 o'clock at night. I mean, like people, there's a lot of really big expectations in New York, right? Absolutely. And I think that was a really big change of pace and a, a kind of a bit of a shock for me to start with was everyone in New York has a purpose at any given time. They're going somewhere and they're walking there at pace. You know, they have <laughs> someone that's expecting them. There's always somewhere that you've got to be. And so being around people like that all the time changed, I think, my motivation for what I wanted for myself as well. And so yeah. where, where my office was, was just below Times Square. So it was right in, right in the thick of it there. And it, it was really inspiring to be around all these people which are constantly pushing you to be better as well. Yeah, um, And that's something that, I like to try and bring into my day-to-day work as well, you know, creating an environment where everyone is top performers, everyone is doing the best that they can in their industry or, you know, they're, they're leading the space. And so when you're surrounded by those people, it's a lot easier to be that person yourself. 
Yeah, I love that. And you, okay, so how integral was that experience in New York to your success in Australia, if at all? Like how, when you reflect on that, how, how much? I think it had a huge impact. Um, yeah. Just the, if, if you've been to New York, they'd be like the, the essence of the city is something quite different. Mm. And it's where I really sparked what I wanted to do as a career. I think moving through from industrial design through to wanting to work in marketing through to actually working in marketing in New York, you know, there were, there were times that we went to meetings at the Vogue offices trying to sort of, you know, pitch them our services. I uh, went to like Ogilvy there. So these are really big companies. It was a really exciting space. And that's what really tied me to wanting this to be my career path. And so then mm. coming back to coming back to or coming to Australia for the first time, um, that's when I knew what I was looking for in terms of a role, knew what sort of company I wanted to work for. And yeah, that's that's where I found Megaphone. Amazing. And actually, I'm really curious to know, as a little segue now, because when I moved to London, I was a fresh off the boat Kiwi. Um, and I actually started working in luxury um, retail recruitment. And to be honest, 99% of the brands that I was working with, I had never heard of simply because they had no representation in New Zealand. Um, so for a quick little minute, I think that sort of imposter syndrome, I was like, oh gosh, like, what am I doing here? I'm just like this, you know, small country girl in this ridiculously fast and crazy market. Did you ever feel like that going over to New York? Yeah, I, I definitely felt like that. I went over and when you, when you traveled to New York, or I'm sure you had the same thing in yeah. London where you meet a lot of New Zealanders, a lot of Australians, um, you know, everyone was working hospitality jobs yes. or they were working, um, you know, in places that were just for like an internship. And I was the only person that had a job that I was very excited about and that was supporting you know, my career development as well. And so I definitely felt really fortunate to, to have that role, but a hundred percent, you know, imposter syndrome in New York working at, at, a, at an agency there. It's, you know, one of those pinch me moments. So mm. it was definitely, <laughs> definitely grounded me, um, but it, it was great to be working there. Yeah, I feel like I felt so self-conscious of my accent at, at times. So I was like, oh, God, I was like it's not a very refined accent. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, you fortunately know. for me, uh, this, this uh, digital analytics company was a, a basically a branch off a New Zealand agency. Oh. So the founder was actually a New Zealander and there's a couple of other New Zealand employees there as well. So I, I fit in immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's very good. Okay. I remember being told to cut out like the antipodean notes of my accent when I went to London because we go up at the end of our sentence. And so they're yeah. like, in sales, you can't sound like you're asking a question. <laughs> that's just how we talk all the time. <laughs> so it was interesting. Um, okay. So, okay. Can you give Alice a quick trajectory I mean, your progress uh, at Megaphone is like phenomenal, you know, and so impressive. So tell everyone you came back to or you moved to Australia and you joined Megaphone. So take us through that journey and what, where it's brought you to now. Absolutely. So I joined Megaphone and I was the fourth hire at Megaphone. Um, yep. We all sat around one table. And to give context <laughs> to that, we're now sitting at a, about 120 staff across uh, four different offices launching in UK in a, in a couple of months. So the growth has been huge over that time. But starting initially, I was in a junior account manager role. And so that's basically managing, you know, a, a low level of clients, progressed through to an account manager, then through to a senior. So I was becoming a mentor to other staff members there as well. Um, and from that point, I, 
I really wanted to get into management. I wanted to test out that skill set that I hadn't necessarily utilized before. And so then I was promoted into the head of accounts role. So it was managing mm. a department of about 12 people. Mm. And this would have been over a time frame of approximately two years. Wow. And a few months after, after that, I was actually promoted into the CEO role as well. And so that was probably managing a company of about 20, 25 people. And from there, I have gone from managing the account side of the business, so really focusing on the day-to-day marketing through mm-hmm. to managing the sales department as well over a two-year period. So getting mm-hmm. a lot of experience across all areas of the business um, with a really big focus on hiring and career development, which you know I thought would be really relevant talking to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's phenomenal. Like there's not many people that can say that they've had that journey into a CEO role, into a business the size of Megaphone um, in the time that you've done that. Did it feel really, well, congratulations, first of all, (laughs) Um, but did it feel like really quick? It definitely felt quick, but I also have always been very firm on myself in terms of what I wanted to achieve. So every time I'm achieving a promotion in one role, I'm working towards the next, the next day. You know, there's, there's not that I didn't really have the need for the downtime in between that. It was always, how can I, how can I be better? How can I get more, you know, how can we be a better agency? And so Mm. I've constantly been pushing, um, pushing that. And I think that that is something that we still respect in in any employee at Megaphone Mm. as well as if you can push yourself, then we're mm. there to, to carry mm. on the journey. It's not about being in a role for X number of months or, you know, having this amount of experience before stepping into the role. It's about what you deliver on any given day. You show up, what do you deliver and what impact do you have? And mm. so that's what I tried to have every single day was, you know, how can I have the most impact? How can I prove myself that I deserve yeah. this? Um, I and love that. Yeah, one of the interesting things, I remember being in an Uber with Max, the, the director and founder of Megaphone, I think within my first six months, we're off to a client meeting. At this point, the client meeting was so incredibly exciting for me. Um, <laughs> and he, he asked me, you know, where do you see yourself in the future? And I just read a book explaining that 4% of C-suite roles um, globally, I believe, are, are, are occupied by females. And so I very boldly said to him, I was like, I want to be in a C-suite role um, in the marketing industry. And he was like, okay, great. And so from that point in time, he knew what my goal was. I knew what my goal was. And we're both essentially working me towards that point. He was helping prepare me for a role like that as well. And so, yeah, that, that's been, I think, one of the biggest helps as well is, you know, having someone that actually supports that. That's awesome. And like when, okay, so talking about constantly pushing yourself, I can relate to that. That was definitely me throughout my whole career. What happens when you get to the top and the next promotion is like maybe it's more about your development within that role rather than being about that next promotion. How, how does that feel? How did you change your approach then? I think the, the benefit of the CEO role is that there is always something new to be doing. So I, I was managing the, the sales team as well. So essentially that the managers at Megaphone have different departments that they are responsible for. And we're putting our focus on those areas. So I've always focused on the, well, over the past couple of years, I've focused on the sales side of things, the hiring and culture side of things, operations. Mm-hmm. And so there's always an area that can be improved. So essentially I will just go through those different areas, make them as good as they can, move on to the next, and then 
go back to the start, you know, build on that. There's so many things in the marketing space that are constantly changing that I have never been bored. Yeah. Love it. And I think, okay. yeah, it's being able to motivate yourself to, you know, do those things day to day and to be able to constantly better the, the um, you know, procedures you already have or better the offering that you already have. So there's always something exciting, always something new for me to work on. And I think that that's what motivates me day to day. Yeah. Okay, amazing. And so let's talk about, obviously, because you've got 70% female representation in leadership roles, which is amazing. Um, And obviously you're saying that a big focus of yours is culture and hiring and having the right people in the right place. So tell me, obviously, like when you're looking at promoting women into these leadership roles or trying to hire women into these leadership roles like what are some of the things that you're observing because you said that obviously you've seen quite a lot happen within that recruitment process tell us about some of the things that you've observed that maybe women are doing that aren't doing them any favors in in that interview process yeah I think that that one thing that you can see instantly is that there is still a strong difference between the way some men carry themselves versus some females um, totally. I, I find that Females in interviews are a lot more honest. They will never tell you they have a skill if they don't have it or they will downplay their best traits yeah. and, and very freely tell you all of their weaknesses. Yes. Um, whereas I do find that typically, I mean, not across everyone, but typically when interviewing men, they are more confident to do things that they've never done before, more confident just to say that they don't have weaknesses. Yeah. You know, there, there is a lot of, there is a bit of a difference there and you know, I've had a few interviews with people where coming out of the interview, I've had to send them an email and just say, hey, you have an incredible CV. You have a great skill set. Have confidence in yourself. Yes. Because, you know, those are areas that if they had just adjusted slightly would be a very different outcome in an interview process. Mm. Do you feel like as well, like coming from an agency world, I didn't have to actually really work in a male-dominated agency, but I'd heard a lot like within sort of any agency environment that it does make women or females, you know, very much a lot more emboldened than perhaps they would be in, in another environment. Do you feel like that's helped you personally build your confidence being shaped in that agency world? Yes. So a main part of the role is going to be working with clients. It's going to be confidently speaking to them. If you're speaking to a client and you're not certain of yourself, I can assure you they're not going to be certain about you managing their marketing. So you learn very quickly how you have to hold yourself and how you have to present yourself in those conversations to be taken seriously. And so the same way it is to be taken seriously by a client is you know, the same way internally in a business to be taken seriously by by people, whether that's through the interview process or through, you know, wanting to be promoted in that. So I definitely see that that connection there. Mm, absolutely. And so many people, male and, and female, concerned about confidence coming across as, as aggression or, you know, as arrogance. You know, where's, the, where's the fine line? I feel like in an interview process, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think you can tip over into arrogance, but I kind of feel like that's the, the, the perfect environment where you've been given the permission to just really sing about what it is that you can do. Like, do you feel like people should be worried about that line between arrogance and confidence? I don't think so. And I even had, I've had two interviews today. I'm still doing, I'm still high every single person that comes on board at Megaphone. Um, And yeah, I think both of those people today actually mentioned, you know, oh, I don't want to be too confident in myself or I don't want to be boastful. 
it's like this and I've said exactly this back to them I was like this is your opportunity to yeah. have confidence in yourself to be boastful to tell me why you're great yeah and and so Show I off. 100% agree if any time to tell me how great you are this is it yeah. Um, yeah absolutely and how important has that been because that's I mean 120 plus employees to still be involved in every hire and um, I think sometimes people probably don't understand just like what that actually uh looks like you know in terms of, of of running a business as well as being involved in that and you mentioned obviously that you've got a history of taking a chance on people and putting them into roles that it's not necessarily about them having a certain amount of tenure experience so how does someone who wants to go from a to f um how do they position that to you when they're applying like how, what kind of things do you look for yeah, so when speaking to somebody, it's we're looking for someone who is going to be driven, someone who has the ability to learn. You can come into an interview with you know, a various set of skills, but if you don't have the ability to learn, you're going to you know, know nothing more than that. So we're looking for people that know how to learn, that are learning in their own time, are pushing themselves, are developing mm. themselves, because if, if you can do that, then you can really learn any, any skill that we have here. So with digital marketing as well, the landscape changes constantly. So mm. that skill of being able to, to learn and adapt and change really quickly is incredibly important. Um, but I think mm. in, in general, you know, looking for people that want to be a digital marketer for, for us in this industry, mm. rather than to want a job in digital marketing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that there's a, a big difference when you're passionate about something versus when you just want a, you know, nine to five job. And I say that to people as well. If you're looking for a check-in, check-out job, this isn't it. But if yeah. you're looking for a career, if you're looking to be one of the best digital marketers, then great, I, I want to talk further. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And like, obviously, when you look, reflect back on your career, um, you have achieved some pretty phenomenal things at, you know, a relatively young age. What, how do your ethics and values play into your leadership role? Because, you know, obviously, there's some strong social issues that matter to you. Um, how much of that kind of plays into how you define yourself as a leader? Yeah, I think that every person that we bring into Megaphone has that equal opportunity to succeed. So kind of what you had said before as well, you know, it's not based on tenure. It's based on what you're actually going to be delivering in that role. So mm -hmm. giving everybody the equal opportunity to learn is a really big part. So we have, you know, like a library of books, we have courses, we have mentor programs, we have different committees and we have all of this for people to be utilizing and to be mm. using. And so it's there, it's all there at their fingertips. And so if they would like to, you've got all of these opportunities. And so providing that opportunity, I think is really important for me to do for all of the staff. But I think on the other side of that, the important part of is also that they're doing it themselves. We're not forcing anybody to read a book. We're not forcing anybody to do a course, but when when staff members are coming to us to, to do that, then that's obviously showing that they're going to get a lot more out of their role as well. Mm. Um, so I, I think that it is really important to make sure that every single person stepping in has the opportunity for success. Mm. When, when there are areas that someone is struggling, there's ways that we can support them as well. And so making mm. sure that if someone has a slightly different way of learning or a slightly different approach to something, that we have that support system in place so that anybody stepping into it has support and that equal opportunity to succeed and you yeah. know be successful here 
I love that. And like, let's talk about mentorship, right? Because there's just so much study around the benefits of um, mentor-mentee relationships and how you can actually get something out of being on either side of the coin. So whether you're being a mentor or a mentee, have you, when did you sort of start buying or, or kind of really actively working with a mentor in your career? In my career. So I've worked with um, a lot of different business coaches. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I can get out of working with someone else is experience. So what yeah. I haven't had throughout any part of my trajectory at Megaphone has been knowledge of what that next role looks like. And that's what you can get from somebody else. Um, you know, even working with people that have a similar business size or a business in a similar industry, they've, you know, they've had problems that you haven't yet had. You've had problems that they haven't yet had. And so being able to have those conversations and being able to help and support each other really does help and there's so many things that I would have come up that I you know I think is a good idea but being able to validate your thoughts is something that that really does um you know support a lot of growth there but on the other side of that as well I think you know being a mentor to team members and to other business owners as well helps you understand how things are working at the other end so Mm. whether that's you know a very junior staff member or a business owner, you know, in this space, if I'm talking to a business owner, understanding the problems that they're facing, that then can help us change our offering when we're working with small business owners. Mm. Um, or if we're talking about working with a junior staff member, what problems are they facing and how are we addressing those? Because that's not something that I experience on a day-to-day basis. And I, I won't have that experience unless I am talking to somebody that can provide me that information. Mm. So interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like a lot of people perhaps miss, um, you know, don't realize the the power of a mentor. Um, and again, are concerned about, you know, taking up too much of someone's time. Or, but actually, there's so many skills that you do develop as a mentor yourself, you know, that you carry forward into, into leadership roles too. So um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And what about, okay, so I'm guessing, if you, okay, so one day you were head of accounts, the next day you're CEO of a business, and now it's grown to this level. At some point, it's got to feel a bit overwhelming, right? And like, obviously, it's not always roses. Like, what do you do in those moments? Like, have, can you recall, like, ever feeling, like, totally overwhelmed by the responsibility of your role? Definitely. There's definitely been times where I've been overwhelmed. There's been times last month where I've been overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think recognising that being overwhelmed isn't necessary, necessarily a problem. I think the, the problem comes when you become stressed about being overwhelmed. So if you can recognize yourself that you are overwhelmed or recognize that you're stressed and then you can take a step back and basically, you know, take yourself through a process of understanding why you're overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, I I can usually get myself out of that by writing down all the reasons as to why I'm overwhelmed or all of the things that I think that I need to do. And you can space those tasks out over the next week. And as soon as I've I've got those tasks down on a piece of paper, whether that's waking up in the middle of the night and writing them down so I don't think about them while I go to sleep or whether that's, you know, throughout the day, just getting those thoughts downloaded, then I can actually organize them um, and and formulate them in a way that isn't going to become overwhelming. But I think also making sure that you have that work-life balance. So being able to switch off, knowing when you should be switching off as well. I always Mm. try and, I take like a, a vacation or like go away for the weekend, just remove my work apps from, yes. from my phone. I find I need to really reset and not think about it for a couple of days. 
before I can start to feel relaxed. And I know that I get more out of my next week as well if I have done that because yeah. I'm entering it with a really clear mind with really clear goals as well. Yeah. And what's the support like underneath you in terms of the structure now? Like, do, you know, because obviously I'm guessing, you know, there's always those growth pains, you know, where you're kind of going from that next level to that next level. Like, do, is it a really, it must be a fairly big structure underneath you with 120 employees, right? Yeah, we have probably eight or so middle level managers there as well that are all managing teams themselves. So yeah. I'm um, definitely not managing 120 people. That would <laughs> that'd be a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm probably directly managing around five or six people from there. But yeah. I try and always build a strong connection with employees that are coming on board. It's getting difficult when there's, there's yeah. this many people, but yeah. making sure that I am you know, still involved through that hiring process. I've met everybody before they start, so I can know everybody's names. And then through things like the you know, internal mentoring programs that we have here, I can actually you know, get to know people a lot more. So it's been great being back since um, you know, the office has been shut for a while. It's yes. nice to have everybody back in here and actually be working with these people that I hadn't seen in a very long time. Yeah. And what do you think has kept everyone engaged um, at Megaphone Marketing during that time? Because obviously the last year or so has been talking about culture. What is And, and I always find that such an interesting concept because, you know, I've obviously been involved in, in people and culture roles and HR recruitment my whole career. And in my opinion, culture is really like quite undefinable from business to business. It's not tangible. You can't really say, oh, that's culture. And also it's, it certainly seems to be less about the like social activities as it is more about creating work that's meaningful and engaging. Um, and also, you know, that acknowledging that when you get a business that's got multiple people, you're going to get some personality clashes and people who don't love working together, which could also be attributed to like a, a bad culture when it's actually just two people who don't get along. But in your opinion, like how have you tried to really define the culture in your business? We define culture in two ways. So first is what happens between nine to five. And so mm -hmm. that is where people are getting their career growth from. It's where they're able to develop and grow as a person. We, we really focus on ensuring that everyone can develop as a person and then in turn develop Megaphone. Because if somebody is engaged and they have progression ahead of them, if they're you know, working towards something, they're going to be delivering the best that they can on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's, you know, going back to, to my role as well. Like that's what I wanted to do every day was to prove myself because I believe in the company, but I also knew that I was going to be getting growth and progression out of that as well. Yeah. So there's, I think, making sure that people are happy and constantly learning and being pushed in their role and have something that they're working towards is really important. And I think that you can see as soon as someone doesn't have that next step or, you know, if they're not sure what they want to be doing next, that's a really big problem because mm. what are they doing this for? Mm. They, they're changing from, you know, working for their own personal growth and their, their own career development to coming to work because they have to. Mm. And, you know, that's a really big distinction between someone who's going to see success and perform well and someone who is, you know, slowly going to become disengaged. So we've brought things into place. Um, we've got a, a trained teacher who actually go through and train everybody so everybody has that equal opportunity to succeed at the start but then she also works with them throughout their career at Megaphone as well so how can we be helping this junior account manager get through to being an account manager do they want to be in management if so let's get the management training if not what does another career path look like 
So somebody mm. always will have that next step ahead of them or the option to have that conversation as well. But then looking outside of the nine to five and, you know, what happens while we're working, then we like to keep things fun. You know, we take mm. ourselves, uh, sorry, we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take our work really seriously. And mm. so there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughter in the op- office we've got a a dedicated slack channel uh, for memes (laughs) that that keeps things lighthearted but the the office is great as well so we've got like a couple of gyms a cinema room endless snacks as well so there's some things you can do just to make people's lives easier you know breakfast is here at work as well so if you're coming in early you know you've always got that as well Um, but also making sure that we're producing meaningful work for our clients. So actually delivering great results keeps everybody really motivated. And we do a bit of charity work as well. So we've just partnered with Oz Harvest for some volunteering. And so um, every week there's a couple of people that go out and they will be um, basically volunteering, helping collect food, deliver food. Um, And I think giving people the option to give back to a community whilst also working um, is, is a great part of that. Mm. So I guess the main thing I'm hearing is like for a megaphone in particular, it's a multifaceted approach. You know, it's not just like one thing tick, like a like a pool table or, you know. We do like have that. a pool table. Okay, so <laughs> you, but you don't rely on that. No, exactly. Like I think um, one of the things that I've you know, seen somewhere is, you know, culture isn't a, ten- a table tennis table yeah you know <laughs> you you know we've got some of these things but culture is having career progression culture is having work that is fulfilling culture is contributing to something that's bigger than yourself bigger than the company you know the community and so there's a lot that goes into that um mm. as well as just making sure that we have a lot of great social events I feel like that's um that's important as well but mm. it's, it's on the list below all the other things yeah absolutely and so what about some advice then for someone I've got two pieces of advice that I want to ask you so just generally for someone who wants to you know seek a career in marketing what's some key takeaways that they could take from you today about what they can do to try and you know really make their mark and get their foot in the door I would first of all just check with yourself and you know are you someone that wants to push yourself and learn constantly if you don't want to learn constantly marketing's the wrong field but if that is something that you are really excited about and the I guess not knowing what your career might look like in 10 years because we don't know where we're going to be what platforms we're going to be marketing on in, in 10 years time if that sort of level of um of career progression is exciting for you then this is a, a great career I think getting as much exposure to knowledge there's a lot of a lot of free um, training courses actually google ads does one google analytics facebook Mm. has a blueprint course there's all of these things that you have at your fingertips that you can be constantly learning and developing involving yourself so i would my advice would be to do all of the learnings that are available there Um, Mm. you know one of the things when i interview people and it's like oh how do you stay up to date with trends i don't yet but i i would it's like no, make that no. start now. <laughs> <laughs> Stay up to date with trends. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's such a fast-moving world, isn't it? And, uh, you know, uh, like, you're right. And that's another thing that I think we're very passionate about is understanding that they're, the future of work, how many roles are becoming obsolete, how many roles haven't even been invented yet, or how many exist today that didn't exist 
two, three, four, five years ago. And, um, you know, it's an exciting time, absolutely. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. If you're not someone who likes to upskill, um, you know, if you think that you want to learn and be the finished article, then sort of marketing is, is definitely not the industry for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'd say one piece of left of field advice. Um, yes. Would be if you have the opportunity to gain experience in a sales role, I would highly recommend that. That was something that I didn't have um, until I actually was the came the CEO, but then also became the head of the sales team at that point in time. Hadn't yeah. actually managed a sales team before or done sales. Read a couple of books over the weekend, and so that I could jump into the role and and be a good sales manager. But <laughs> that was you know coming into my role at Megaphone, I knew marketing. Yes, um, but stepping into that role as sales manager, that wasn't something that I had experienced before. My learning curve was the biggest throughout that. And mm. when you start to learn these principles of sales or just human conversation or human psychology, how people act, how you can understand what they're thinking or, or how they're going to respond to something, that is something that developed me tenfold in my career. Mm. You know, it, and if you think about it, in every way that you talk to someone, you're, you're selling. You're either selling yourself, you're selling a strategy that you might like to run. You're selling the fact that they should meet up with you for something. You're, mm. you're constantly trying to get something out of a conversation. And, you know, a lot of times that's both ways. But the sales side of things has really rounded out my knowledge. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's, an, it's a space that potentially if you're looking at marketing, it's not the, the first point of call that you'd go down. But sales training is something that I'm actually putting together a course for everybody here as well so that everyone goes through that same course. So you have these, these you know, pearls of wisdom that you can bring out in, in any point of conversation. Yeah, I love that. Especially, you know, things like objection handling and, 100%. you know, I guess when someone brings up something that's like a conversation stopper, like rather than being like, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, things like that. I completely agree with that. I think that's amazing. What about conversations around salary, right? Because we've talked obviously as well about, you know, women in particular, females feeling confident to put themselves forward. What about that sort of salary pace? Um, any advice out there for, you know, as someone who's a CEO and maybe, in, you know, integral to some of those decisions, how does someone, what's the best way that someone can go about asking for what they believe they're worth? I think having data to back that up is a, is a good point to start with, you know, rather than asking just for asking for a pay rise for exactly what you're doing, you can prove yourself. And this is what I've done throughout my career as well. It's You're not saying if I get that pay rise, I'm going to do this. Mm. It's flipping that conversation the other way. It's delivering on all of these incredible things prior to that time that you're having that conversation. And I don't think there should be any, um, any weirdness about having that conversation, asking for that salary conversation or asking for a promotion, as long as you can back that up by mm. why you do deserve that and what it is going to mean in the future or, you know, where you want to be taking your role. I think the, the worst way you can go about that is just, you know, flipping that around and mm. asking for it in order to do something. Yeah, I love that. Oh, Lauren, you've got me so inspired now, honestly. I, <laughs> I really love meeting people that... Um, still retain like their warmth and engaging personality but they still just are not ashamed to just go after what they what they want and I think your career journey is so inspiring um and thank you like I actually think you know you've taken the time today to have a chat and obviously you're a very busy woman so thank you so much for being a guest today 
No, it's been wonderful talking to you. And thank you so much for having me. No, my pleasure. That's all we have time for today. What an epic woman. I don't know about you, but I just love hearing stories from people like that. Um, Lauren is so inspirational. And um, yeah, I feel very inspired, actually. Um, thank you for joining in. You know the drill. If you loved this podcast, please give us some feedback, leave a review, share it with a friend that you think might find it interesting. All of those things really help us to keep bringing you content weekly. Um, next week, we have a solo pod that is all about your personal branding and reputation and why you need to make sure that you're really looking after your personal branding no matter where you go. It's an interesting one that I think a lot of people need to be aware of, particularly in today's market when everyone has a choice of so many roles. It's really important that you learn how to handle yourself and take control of your reputation. So join us next week. Can't wait to see you again soon. In the meantime, look after yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. You just tuned in to another episode of Beyond the Shop Floor podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you got some great insight from today's podcast. Of course, I do work as a private career coach, a career strategist, and a recruitment expert to the fashion industry. But of course, anyone outside of that industry is welcome to join us as well. If you would like to connect with me personally about being a guest on Beyond the Shop Floor podcast or you would like to work with me in some capacity, you can email me at ange at thetalentmill.com.au and that's ange with an E or you can hang out with me on any of the social media platforms. Of course, we love a good little LinkedIn hang um, or you can find me on Instagram at thetalentmill.com. AU or be on the shop floor podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.